0: The cherished concept of freedom is our proudest value, the one for which we are ready to sacrifice everything, so that we find ourselves inclined to sacrifice liberty of speech and even liberties of action, lest we be ever suspected of opposing freedom. Like most Americans, I shrink from the thought of subservience of mind or of person, and I too cherish the word freedom. But I want to be free to be painstaking, if I want to to be responsible, to be involved, to be free to exercise whatever intellect I may have. And I consider both discipline and craft indispensable to freedom.
1: So David, I wanted to ask you what um, liberal education is education for freedom. So what does that mean in real life? What kind of freedom does education cultivate? Uh, How does it work?
0: So to me, um, freedom is a fundamental value. And it's a fundamental human value. And it's a fundamental American value. And it stands with equality and justice as, uh, I guess, three core values that triangulate into what makes us Americans and what makes us human beings. Liberal education, to me, means education in freedom. Now, freedom as an absolute idea, just could devolve into anarchy, but the reason that I was thinking of this Ben-Shahn quote is that you have to have craft and you have to have discipline with your freedom, and that makes it, that makes you able to stand behind it and makes the words incarnate. So um, I don't think that um, when we th- we 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 Americans won't, as de Tocqueville said, we won't give up on freedom and we won't give up on equality, but those two ideas conflict in the absolute, and so we have to live them in order to make them real. And the liberal education, I think, is living out those ideas.
1: I was struck by the word painstaking in um,
0: the Ben, ben Jean.
1: Jean, Uh I want to be free to be painstaking. Does Am I meant to think there's a tension between being painstaking and being free, or being disciplined and being free? Um, what's the what's the force of his seeking to be painstaking? Is there a danger that freedom makes us sloppy or casual, or um, in some sense not that we lose a bit of our humanity in it, from yeah. being too loose or something like that?
0: Yeah, I think that's right, Zena. I think that uh, that. Um, if we were just simply to let everything go and think that we didn't have to have any discipline or uh, any skill, um, then we would, we would devolve into something more animal than human. And there certainly have been periods of history in which that has occurred. And similarly with a community, if a community behaved that way lawlessly, mm-hmm. um, there would be a lot of vice
1: Does it matter for the purposes of education what we are painstaking about, what the discipline is in? Um, Are there, I mean, can I be painstaking about my um, career training or painstaking about my um, preparation for a career on Wall Street or the kinds of things which people think generally education is directed at these days? Can I be painstaking about those things too, or does it? matter for liberal education, what what we discipline ourselves in?
0: So I don't think um, liberal education is um, limited to any particular career or any particular life that one might lead. Uh, one could have a liberal education and apply it uh, to being on Wall Street, as you say, or living in a monastery or being an artist and um, blowing glass for the rest of your life. Uh, but I think that it... Helps it, it, it shows you the way to be a human being and be all those things. So in a culture in which we're being forced into how we can market ourselves and how we can become a commodity effectively in a culture, I think it gives us um, a deeper place, a more solid place to stand.
1: I was going to ask you about that also. I was going to ask you about what subservience of mind is and... Um, where you see it in our contemporary world, and um, how how the kind of edu- how certain kinds of education might help us out of it. Um, what is subservience of mind?
0: I think it's tyranny. So the opposite of freedom is one of the opposites is tyranny. And so the the American experiment, and I think the experiment in liberal education is how do you avoid that tyranny? And it it. Um, some of it's very obvious, as when you know uniformed uh, special police roll in. But another mm-hmm. is that, that there are all sorts of tyrannies over, over the mind and the heart and the soul that sometimes uh, just creep and we don't pay attention to them. And I think the commercialization and the materialization of modern life and the attempt to make you into a, a worker, a uh, working person uh, rather than a human being who works is a problem.
1: I've had this thought that um, one of the problems with thinking that education is only job training, and there's nothing, I agree with you, nothing wrong with job training, but thinking that that's all there is in education is that, um, especially in a, a culture like ours where there's a, a, a economy controlled by very few people, that you end up, um, a few people end up deciding what needs to be learned. Uh, and there's a kind of very concrete subservience where uh, you, uh, you, you, you prepare for the job that someone else has designed. Uh, and it sounds like what you're saying is that the kind of freedom that you might be able to get is the freedom to uh, be an agent in your world, to, to build your own community, to imagine your own life. And, and maybe to check out from the commercial world as far as you can, if you'd like, if that's what seems best to you, if that seems like the way for you to live a meaningful life. Uh, whereas if everything, is, if everything is done through this kind of high commercial culture, there's no way out. Uh, does that seem right?
0: Yeah, I think it's not just preparing for the job, although that's rightly said, that someone else uh, has decided that you're going to fit in. It's, it's, it's designing yourself to fit into the straitjacket of somebody else's sense of who you are as a human being. And that's, to, that's now established materially and commercially, and it's technologically driven.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: the problem with um, having the kind of attention span that enables you to think through an idea or thought or have an experience in community where you can sit down and think with someone else, Right. I think the the technology and the commercial structure, the fact that one is attention span is continually reduced uh, in the interest of the commercial enterprises. To, I mean, if they can get it down to f- six or seven seconds, so that you're just clickbait for whatever the next uh, commercial um, purchase that you need to make is, then that would be ideal for those who are controlling. The- right.
1: So that that also connects back to discipline and painstakingness. It's it's a sustained attention might be something that we recognize now as something that we need to be fully human to be free in some way. Um, a short attention span leaves us at the mercy of our 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 handlers, so to speak, the, the 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 people who are trying to buy things off of us or what have you. Do you have um? An experience, this is a bit of a personal question. But do you have an experience from your own education where you felt um, a sense of being liberated from something? Is that something which is you which you can recover in yourself as something you've done happened to you? I guess
0: I've always felt that education is liberating. Right. And that liberation is important. Right. And that's a constant battle and struggle to be free. But okay. and that freedom comes um, in in practices in the community, but it also comes from being open to ideas and open to what uh, really interested in what other people are thinking and who they are.
1: Right.
0: So I guess, I guess I wouldn't, you know, think of a moment of conversion like that so much as if that's what you're looking for. Uh, but maybe, I don't know, I'm just a, understanding the power of the imagination in reading a novel and seeing the connections to philosophical ideas to spiritual ideas so in terms of your former question about whether there's a particular discipline I think I think the discipline of attention or attentiveness is is the discipline it's not the discipline of an of a department which we now tend to call disciplines but but the ability to contemplate to uh, to be able to focus and think uh, without uh, being disturbed by the thoughts that are coming in and the pressures that are coming in around you, and that that you know that could be done in a you know sitting zazen, but it could also be done in you know, <laughs> any moment in one's life right. if one can pay attention to what one is doing. It seems to me that the possibilities are there for for freedom and for love.
1: So, what's what's the connection between books and liberal education? Is I, I I hear what you're just saying that, that I, I love what you just said about how if you're attentive to whatever is going on, so you're attentive to the people that you're working with, you're attentive to the even the materials that things are made out of, that there's something liberating and humanizing in that. Um, but why books? Why are books the thing that liberates? Uh, we have this motto, right? We we make free adults out of children by means of great books. Great isn't in there. Books in a balance. So um, yeah, what do books what are books have to do with it?
0: I don't think books are essential. I can think okay. someone could be liberated who was illiterate. And, um, but I do think that in the world in which we find ourselves, the book gives you the advantage of attention, quiet, calm, careful attention, uh, that the other electronic delivery devices don't give you um, where you are, your attention is. Their goal is to take the attention away from you. And it seems to me the, the printed text allows you to focus that attention. It also gives you a way to talk to people who are no longer here and to think about people in other generations. So there's a conversation that goes on uh, with uh, ideas and thoughts that are fundamentally human and not uh, simply based on the context. So you will have many people telling you, these are the same people that say that you have to be up with the latest fashion. You have to be, keep yourself in context. Uh, these are, these are the folks that will tell you that you don't understand something unless you understand its context. And all that is a, a commercializing motive. But the book enables you to have a conversation, to think about ideas that are not based on context, but simply based on your soul and your heart and your humanity that's universal.
1: Yeah, it's funny when I, uh, when I taught philosophy at uh, ordinary universities, I would um, always have this experience of you, you ask a question, a human question and the classroom comes alive and then you start telling people stuff and the classroom just dies <laughs> because because what really there's there's such a desire for that reflection on what it means to be a human being and for contact as you're saying with people of the past with the people around them to reflect on these things um is that so what i'm just curious what's um yeah what what's what's the role of community uh, in in being free, or communities can be sources of unfreedom, notoriously right. So they can be uh, judgy, they can be exclusive, um, they can have their own groupthink. So what's what are some of the hallmarks that you've seen in your life of healthy intellect, like free communities, communities of free people, or communities that promote freedom, or is that possible?
0: I think it's essential. I don't think you are going to have freedom really without a free community. Um, so you have to have institutions which promote freedom, or you are not, going to, or you are going to be enslaved um, because you are just going to, uh, you know, well, ultimately you are going to be killed because you can't defend yourself as alone. So there, ha- there have to be those kinds of communities. I am thinking of um, something that Frederick Douglass said at the Seneca Falls Convention which is that freedom comes out of three boxes, he said, to the convention. It comes out of the ballot box, the jury box, and the cartridge box. And if you don't have those three boxes, then you do not have a community that can achieve freedom.
1: So that sounds to me a bit more like a a political, a community in the broadest sense, a political order. Is there... um, I don't always think of community in that context. I think of order. I think of laws. I think of institutions, as you said. Um, Is there something to be said like in our classrooms, for instance? Is there a type of community or, or a college campus or a town or what have you? What types of community beyond just the political?
0: So I wouldn't think of it, I wasn't thinking yeah. of it as political. Right. I mean, it's an interesting word, polis, for right. the city. What is right. it that makes a city right. a good city? And what is your responsibility in your relationship to a good city? But I would say that uh, in, in what are you willing to stand by in a community? That's what makes a community work. If you're not willing to stand by anything, if there's nothing you're willing to die for, you're not going to have a free community. I mean, classically, the way slavery works is, you know, you uh, there's war between two tribes and one tribe captures the members of another. And those guys either go down fighting and die, in which case they had freedom until they died, or they give up, in which case they're made slaves. So, you know, the Ashanti make, the Ashanti say make them slaves and then they, oh, they find a commercial market for them and sell them. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the way life works and has worked. And a lot of, what you call politics, Uh, turns out to be a kind of uh, kleptocracy in which a few people rule and a few people garner all the wealth until they can no longer do it, until things fall apart. But I think in in America, there was a different experiment based on the ideas of liberty and equality as articulated in the Declaration by Jefferson. And I think that was um, a different idea. Um, Not that people hadn't thought about Eleutheria is the Greek word is for freedom before, but this this made it something that you were endowed with by your creator. These things were inalienable. They couldn't be taken away from you. And these are enormous claims. So that enables a community and people in a community to think differently. And I wouldn't I don't think of it as primarily political. I guess I if I had to put a word on it, I'd say spiritual, but I would say spiritual in a way that is incarnate in the body. And that's why I like what Douglas said, he said this to the women at Seneca Falls who were thinking not of asking for the vote because they thought they would, that people people would say, "Oh, you've gone way too far." And he said, "You got you got to do that. That's one of the that's one of the three freedoms that you have to maintain in order to have a community." So I think I, th- I don't think of it as political. I think of it as spiritual. You have got to be willing to have some kind of resolution, some kind of ballot. In which the people are empowered, and that's in any community. Um, you have to have some kind of law in a community. Otherwise, it's just arbitrary. It's just what somebody says at the moment. So you have to have a jury box. And you have to be able, be willing to fight, be willing to defend. There has to be a line that you draw where you say, I'm not doing that.
1: Wow. So um, that makes me think that. So if I try to think past the specific legal structures of the the ballot and the jury, um, I guess I think about having a voice in my community, being a part of my community, having a stake in my community. So in that sense, equality, which was one of your other words, seems really closely connected to it. So um, if the idea of freedom is you know, like at a seminar table, you know, each of us, each of us belongs there. Each of us has a voice. Each of us is a part of the conversation. Um, you have conversations with different stakeholders. You, you know, not everyone always gets their way. That's what it means to be in a community, but there's a kind of respect for all the participants. Uh, is that part of what you're thinking about? I'm just trying to spell out both the spiritual and the, the sense of, Community. Is that the kind of thing you're thinking about for freedom? I mean, I, th- I think yeah. that's
0: all true. I, yeah. I don't, you know. That's I, not what you're thinking about. No, I was thinking that there is uh, more to it than, um, than trying to have a kind of code of conduct, I guess, in a seminar. There's much more to it than that. And, uh, and that what's really at stake is who you are and what is your own. And is there something that is your own in a world that's trying to tell you what your own is, all the time?
1: Can you can you give some examples of what what it means for it to be our own? Because I think that critics of the American project will say my own is my private property. It's it's connected to the materialism and the consumerism. So what's my what's my own? What's the relevant sense of my own that I need to really look after?
0: Well, the. I guess I would go back to a classical text and think of one of the first lines that Antigone says to Creon when Ismene says, you know, you are forbidden by the laws of Athens to bury your brother. And she says, it's not for him to keep me from my own. Now, how does she know what her own is? Because the law is telling her something different. And uh, maybe her peers are, her sister is. But she has that sense of what her own is. So where does that come from in a human being? And I think it comes from thinking that you are free to reach your own. And I think that's what's going on in the seminar. I think it's something as serious as that, even though it appears to be perhaps a conversation in which there are rubrics of uh, equality, Um, but I think it's really about identity and what words mean and what you're willing to stand by when you when you speak, every time you speak. So that attentiveness that you talked about earlier, right. I think is always in practice.
1: So can I just try to get in a little closer on identity? Because when I think of Antigone, I think about her, her own as her brother and her love for her brother. So she's a strong sense of her family identity. But there's another dimension to it, right? She's not, she's not just famous for loving her brother. She's famous for that uh, spirit of defiance, which is so beautiful and so moving, that comes out in the play. So uh, what, what, what kind of identities are really core? What should we, what are some of the signs of a real identity that's worth drawing a line over?
0: I think that's... That's a, a
1: hard question. It's I a don't question mean, I, I that know. you
0: would have to answer for yourself, Sina. <laughs> <Cena. laughs> uh, I can't tell you what your identity is or what your own Come is. Come In terms of the You've got play, the teacher's
1: edition. In You've terms
0: of the, the... No, I don't have the teacher's <laughs> edition. The teacher's edition on this one. I'm sorry. <laughs> in terms of Antigone, I would say those uh, relationships with her brother, uh, they're important, but the primary relationship is with herself and who she is and that she is, um, even under the threat of death, not going to um, diminish herself. Um, She's willing to to risk her life for the idea that she believes in. Maybe the ideas of a good city, and a good city that extends not just to the people now living, but to the generations uh, past, including the body of her brother, which is lying there.
1: Okay, so now I can see at least two ways of thinking about the identities. I just want to run them by you. So one is that it's your, the, your, your, your sense of justice, the kind of city you would want to live in, your dreams, your imagination, your fundamental values, your ideals. Um, but the other makes me think that And this may just, I just want to know what you think about this. It sounds in a way like what you mean is a free community is one where each person has a a space for themselves, a space of self-definition, a space of meaning, a space of action, which is not necessarily defined by that community. Does that seem right? So is it, are are we meant to think of ourselves? that's it's a bit of tension there but I think it's not necessarily a bad tension I have my my sense of myself my inner self and um, I also that's a, it's not like I, that that's in a sort of separate box I interact with my I, I, I love my neighbors I work in my community but somehow I, there's something in me that that no one can take from me um, and whatever goes wrong in the community um, that's, that's it, it, a good community has to protect that. Uh, and one of the ways that we make a good community is by defending that. And I think about how we live that here at St. John's and um, my own decision to come back here to teach after teaching other places. One of the things that I think about that I really, I think I encounter more or less every day in the classroom is that our classes are really directed by the students um, and the books and that's say, Someone sits down to write a paper. They work through some question that belongs to them. And we don't... uh, We don't give them a a script. We don't give them a set of instructions. And I think it's interesting... always interests me because I I went to... um, Grad school after St. John's, and learned the disciplines, you know, of scholarship, and I find them very interesting and very helpful and good. Nothing wrong with them, but there's something about that um, being left, you know, in the sort of the jungle <laughs> of ideas, and having to reach inside yourself and find your questions and your path through a quite complicated book. Um, to me, that's what it means to make people free. Um, does that seem like, I mean, do you have a similar experience, different experiences? or? Yeah, no, I think that's, yeah.
0: that makes sense. And I I don't, I mean, I do think that, uh, that St. John's is particularly good at doing this. Right. I don't think it always succeeds in doing this. But I think it, you know, the structure of the community is helpful in this way. Um, okay. And I think that, Any kind of successful education, liberal education, works like this. So I guess my experience with education from the get-go was that that's what one does, that you find your way through, that it is really up to you to take the personal responsibility to make sense out of what you're reading or the conversation that you're in or the project that you're constructing, and that you you have to put your mark on it. You have to make sense of it and that seems to me to be fundamentally american so there's a pragmatism to that there's a there's a a way of doing
1: right and um and it seems related to practical endeavors even if it's something you do with a book so you you figure out what kind of thing you're interested in you figure out what and it can feel jungle like the conditions aren't all going to work you know you're i don't know what you're doing you're blowing glass or you're uh, building a house, or you're um, organizing a, a group in your community. Um, there's a lot of contingencies, uh, but you 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 have to be drawing on s- your own conception and make a mark with it, and, and also cooperate with what's around you in the same way that you have to cooperate with what the book says. You can't just um, decide that it thinks what you want it to think. Uh, it seems like that's one of the that's probably one of my favorite disciplines and. and and maybe that's the tension where I'm happiest is sort of, you know, on the one hand, you're self-directed or your students are self-directed. on the other hand, they have this book that will not say anything but what it says. <laughs> and so I feel like, yeah, all of the magic of uh, learning is comes from that that kind of col- that kind of collision. And it feels to me like something. Um, not at all ivory tower, but really just a way of doing something that's very real and practical, in which anyone who ever has to really undertake something has to do
0: i mean i guess I guess i i don't think the book just says what it says in the sense that it's always living in its own time, and you don't know what it's going to say to you right until you pick it up, right. so I assume that people. Pretty much carefully read Aristotle's Politics, for example, book one, for um, a couple of millennia and a half. And then this guy Karl Marx picked it up and said, oh I see what he's saying. (laughs) And and out of it uh, came Das Kapital. And because Mm -hmm. he understood what alienated labor was and he understood what it meant for a community to organize itself in that way in which uh, people were not treated humanly in the community. And um, you, know, you can look at the footnotes if you pick up Das Kapital to Aristotle's politics and you'll be, I think, quite impressed at the number of times that he refers to Aristotle. So a book can always be read originally and you might be the person that reads it originally. I would say that that's what Jefferson does uh, with the Declaration. I would say it's probably what Frederick Douglass does when he you know reads American documents that he thinks he reads them from where he stands, which is what one has to do.
1: Right. No, I, but it, I think all I meant to say, I, I agree with that 100%. And I think that's part of the, part of what makes the great books great is their capacity to speak like that and to be um, responsive to a mind encountering them in that way. Um, so that they're original, read, read originally and capable of multiple original rereadings. And, all I wanted to say is that there's something. It, it wouldn't be a discipline if everything gave. Something has to be there. There has to be some kind of encounter with something that isn't you um, in that book. Uh, otherwise, y- 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 the original reading won't come from anywhere. You won't be really thinking. You'll just be hearing yourself talk, right? You won't be listening. Does that make sense? Is that something you recognize? or? There's something there that won't that won't give. There's another person. There's a speaker. There's an author.
0: There's always that. And there's yeah. always the material world. And there's always the spirit of that matter and language. So I guess what you're speaking of is the nature of language itself. There's always something that won't give, even though you try to take language and mold it into something that's going to be completely advantageous to you. Right. Which you could say is done often for commercial purposes. But um, that... That will, it's, if you believe in the human spirit is expressed in the, in the language, in the written word, and even in the spoken word, that eventually you will smash up against it. So right. I, don't, I, don't, I guess I don't see that as, I, 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 see, the, I see the problem that for, for purposes, you know, if I'm a kleptocrat, for example, and right. I want to turn language, I want to turn the community into something that I can take advantage of. But at some point, the community is going to push back. Now, it might be a long time. You might have to wait for the French Revolution. But at some point, that's going to occur. One
1: of the things that I think about language um, in this context is that uh, I don't think of it as being the thing which gives the discipline in the way that you're talking about. Because I think of it as being this thing which is available to the kleptocrats or to You know, like, language is, I was thinking about it in the context of Genesis, actually. So the snake um, is a master of language. Uh, He figures out exactly how to talk to Eve in such a way to get her to eat the apple. It's like he, you know, he, he, he read 10 ways to influence people. You know, you... Put in a spirit of competition. You, you know, cast a little bit of doubt, and then you, you know, you point in a certain direction, and presto, this person is. Uh, so, I think of language as being always capable, or even primarily capable of. It's the medium of control, the way we control one another, the way we manage one another, and that somehow, in a way that I don't really understand, but maybe you can help me. <laughs> somehow, it's also the tool by which we can free ourselves from that kind of um, management, that kind of uh, control that others are trying to exert on us. Um, I mean, There's a beautiful old essay on, on bullshit. I don't know if you saw it. It talks about how the use of the use of language to you don't really care what you're saying so long as the person does what you want them to. Um,
0: Is that how you feel?
1: That's what I feel is in the air. I I feel that language can help me escape, but that's the the mysterious part of it, that somehow there's these forms of language, thinking, reflection, conversation, reading, which break us out, but I don't know quite how they do it. don't know what the discipline is. What's the well, disciplined would, approach to language that makes that possible? You
0: said a lot of things. I, I don't. I, know I don't. I, I. I wouldn't agree w- with what you said about Eve. I think she was sufficient to stand, but free to fall. So I think she made a choice. I don't think the serpent did that to her. I think the serpent provided the opportunity, and okay. she took it. But she didn't have to. She had the strength within herself had she thought about the language uh that was that was given to at least Adam. You no, know, what you know, there's some I guess problem as to what you know how much of that she heard. But anyway. So I wouldn't think of language that way. And in terms of the I think it's what gives you the power to fight back is the is your your intellect in the spirit and in the language. So if I'm a kleptocrat, how am I gonna do it? The first thing I'm gonna do is disarm the people, right? And now what am I going to do? I'm going to distribute all you know, the wealth that I have, enough of it to get them on my side. And, uh, and then I'm going to create a, a police force, which is going to restore order. Um, and have a, And then the order is going to get greater and greater. But the fourth and final step is I'm going to put that police force in their heads. So that they are doing it to themselves. So I'm going to control their language and I'm going to control their interior language so they think that it is no longer theirs. So I would resist. I think that is actually the spirit of kleptocracy that follows those four steps. And I think that once you are disarmed and greedy and, um, and you're, you, you become, uh, greedy for even more. And then you are willing to put up with people forcing you, and you're willing to be abused in order for the profits. And then, uh, and then you're even willing to give up your language. So I think that's how it works, and I think that's what we're up against. So I would, I would think that 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 the word itself is actually the strong place to stand.
1: Well, can you? I think what you just said helps is helpful to me, and I can pinpoint the question, how do we use, what kind of words do we use to stand against uh, an attempt to replace our language?
0: So that's where I think you go back to where we started with freedom. Mm -hmm. What is freedom? It's a fundamental value. It's something that is greater than I am. It's something that is handed down to me that uh, as Lincoln uh, famously said that uh, you can hear the chorus swelling from the patriot graves. Uh, I didn't just give this to myself. So that language, uh, when you when you go back to the origins of it, when you go back to its history, and the way that it has existed in the mouths of others or in the documents that we read, none of those documents, none of those texts are going. You're going to completely agree with. I hope. Right. They're, you're all. You're you're going to be wrestling with them. You're going to be trying to bring what meaning you can find there into your own life. And I, I, and I wouldn't think you would reject completely any of them. Um, you might wish you had spent more time with one text rather than another, or didn't have to spend so much time. But as with human beings, I don't think that you would think of, well, that person is expendable any more than that text is expendable, that that language is expendable. So that's what one learns, I hope, or what what the premise of the republic of liberal education is and the republic of our classrooms.
1: Wow, uh, okay. So I, I think that would actually be a good place to even to end. But I'll say one more thing just in case. The um because that was beautiful what you just said. Um yeah, that somehow the books um give us ways of speaking. Um a huge variety. Uh, so and it, as users of language, um, we can pick them up and 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 use them for our own sake. There's a beautiful thing in an essay by James Baldwin, which I'm afraid I didn't say in the last podcast, so you can cut this if I did. But <laughs> I've been thinking about it nonstop for months. Uh, it's in the essay on why he, why he, how he stopped hating Shakespeare. Do you know this essay? And he says, uh, uh, I hated Shakespeare because um, I felt I had to imitate it and I didn't want to imitate it. And then I realized I could use it. Um, and I've just been thinking about that ever since I read it, that, you know, it's it's, there's imitation where you receive the words that someone else is giving you, like your kleptocrats, and and then there's then there's using language um, to to communicate who you are and what you believe in, and maybe that's um, maybe that's the sense of freedom that we've been looking for. So
0: I mean, I think if I were yeah. um, speaking to James Baldwin rather yeah. than Zena right now, I would say, you know, you might want to pay attention to Julius Caesar, that play. Yeah. and try to figure out what it means to be a Roman citizen. Yeah. So if you want to be a native son. Yeah. And you want to write notes to yourself as a native son. Yeah. You might want to think about what that means and I, not take somebody else's word for it.
1: I think he I think Julius Caesar's his example. I think that was his conversion moment with Julius Caesar. So yeah, fabulous. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, David. Great talking to you.
0: Thank you, Zina. <laughs> Continuing the Conversation is a 20-episode web and podcast series produced by the St. John's College Communications Office in partnership with 12FPS and a Warehouse Productions. To continue the conversation with St. John's College, which offers a bachelor's degree in liberal arts, in-person and online master's degrees in liberal arts and Eastern classics, as well as Summer Academy for high school students and Summer Classics for Lifelong Learners, go to sjc.edu.